wonderful Heavenly Father. We're so glad that we can call you our Heavenly Father. You know what we need, and I'm reminded, Lord, of Brother Biscoe's words even on Sunday. We might not even really know what we need, but you know what we need, Lord. And so if we would come to you this evening, we would say, Lord, give us what you see we have need of tonight. We might say it might be one thing or another, but we're thankful, Lord, that you look past just the natural realm. You look beyond human thinking. Lord, you look from eternity to eternity and see that which is vital and important in our lives. We give ourselves to you. We desire, Lord, that you'll have the preeminence in this service, asking, Father, may you anoint your word. Lord, may your spirit come to the word once again. We know the spirit comes to the word, and that word is a discerner of every need in this place. Every need that's represented, maybe those watching on the internet, wherever it might be, Lord, you know what we have need of. So may you just grant it exactly the way you would have it tonight. Lead us, Father, for your glory. We give ourselves to you. Anoint the word, the speaking, the reading of it in all things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this evening. I greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to have the Hammermeister family with us this evening. Our dear friend, Brother Ed, who assured me that he didn't want to preach tonight. Um, and so we'll take that him at his word. And uh, God bless you, Brother Ed, Sister Sandy, the boys, good to see you. And uh, good to have everyone here. All the visitors are welcome. We thank you for being here, the regulars. Wouldn't be a service without the regulars. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of God tonight. How many are expecting from God tonight? It's good to have Brother John back. Amen. He leaves a big hole when he's gone. A a big amen hole. You know, just uh, he's he's a real amen corner and a real joy to be around. And so we're sure, sure glad to have him back. And I'm sure we'll hear the good report in due season. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, scripture that we're all familiar with. But I'm actually taking my text from chapter 5, but I want to start in chapter 4 here. If you follow me from verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But then Paul goes on here in chapter 5 to the church in Thessalonica, or I think that's the name of the town. Uh, He says, but of the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, 
and they shall not escape. You know, that's sudden destruction. You know, when, a, when travail comes on a woman with child, the baby's going to come. You believe that? My son this morning, his wife had a child on the side of the road. Not literally on the road, but I mean, the ambulance got there, but they didn't make it to the hospital. When it happens, it happens. And you're not going to get away from it. And in the last time, when destruction comes, there's no more, just wait a minute. I'm not ready. Or I need to do something. When it happens, it's here. And we're just very much at that time right now. So he says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Amen. The Lord has blessing to the word. You may be seated. For the sister's sake, I should say all is well. They had a baby girl and uh, everything, everybody's wonderful and healthy. Even a prophet does not know when the rapture is going to take place. Of the day and the hour, we don't know. And Paul says to the church, he says, you don't need me to tell you, you already know that it'll come upon the earth as a thief in the night. And, but if we were to know, if by some means God would tell us the rapture is going to happen before midnight. Now your reaction would be different from one to the other. Some of you would be excited. I trust most of you would be excited. Some of you would be, am I ready? Have I really met the price? Have I, have, have I received the required token in this hour to make this journey? Some of you, if you really knew in your heart that that was the case, you'd run to the altar. And you'd say, I'm not ready. And I need to be ready. And I need to know that I'm ready. And, uh, and, uh, and some of you, no doubt, would walk out in unbelief and say, oh, well, I don't believe it anyway. And uh, uh, I just don't think that, that's, that they know what they're talking about. And, and so you'd get a, a wide variety of, of reaction from such a statement if it were possible to say with a certainty that that was the case. But I can say with certainty the rapture could happen before midnight. It could happen this evening. It could happen tomorrow. It could be this year. It could be next year. It could be 10 years, 50, 100 years. We don't know. We don't want to act like it's 100 years off when it's only a few days off. And and it doesn't hurt to act like it's a few days off even if it's 100 years off. 
And so acting one way could be dangerous, but acting the other way is always safe. And so we, we realize that we are walking in a light in this hour. As Paul says to the church here, he says, but you are all children of light and you are children of the day. You're not of the night. You're not of darkness. And so you are privy to certain things because you are of the light. You have been quickened to something that a lot of people have not been quickened to. Something is very real to you. Matter of fact, there's most of the world we could say is not in church tonight. You know, people are out there in the world doing their thing, and most people say, well, I wouldn't have time to go to church on Wednesday night, but something has been revealed to you, and that's the reason that you say, I need to be in church on Wednesday night. That is very real to me that that is the place for me. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Doesn't matter if there's a ball game. Doesn't matter if I have to work early in the morning. Doesn't matter what other kinds of things. Doesn't matter maybe my, my home needs cleaning or my dishes need doing or my laundry needs doing or, 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 or I haven't eaten supper yet or whatever more. I must be in the house of God. And so it's a, it's a gladness in the soul that's like David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So you are all the children of light, Paul says. But what is light? It's not, we're not born of a light bulb. We could say it that way. But we are born of light. We are children of light. But light is the word when it is manifested. And when Brother Branham talks about light, and he, he goes back to Genesis in the Bible, where God said, let there be light. And he takes that as proof of two things. Number one, God speaks his word, and light is when the word is manifested. Number one. Number two, God interprets his word by bringing it to pass. And so when God said, let there be light, before there was ever light, there could be, you could say, arguments in heaven if they, of course, they did have arguments between Lucifer and Michael, but they could have discussions, debates over what that means. What does it mean, let there be light? But when light manifested, that was the answer to the question. So God interprets his word by bringing it to pass. That's why even the scripture that we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, when it says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a voice, and the trump of God shall sound. Now, that was laying there for hundreds of years in the scriptures, but in this hour, it became manifested as a shout went out, a message went around the world to gather the elect of God together. And then all of a sudden, when that began to manifest in this hour, then we could look in the scripture and see that a shout actually means a message. Just like John the Baptist, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, or I'm the voice of one shouting in the wilderness. It means the same thing. And so we realize then that, that something has been revealed because of this, and we, we catch the revelation of the word, and it brings a reaction within our lives. Now, Genesis 1 says it this way. You won't need to turn to it because I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So before it even talks about light, it talks about darkness. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. 
And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, a couple things we could say here. Naturally speaking, without light, there is no life. That was the prerequisite for the creation and the seeds that God was going to plant. Before he could plant the seeds, there had to be the right atmosphere. In order to create the right atmosphere, there had to be light. And so we see that God says, let there be light. All life takes its strength from light. Whether we be human beings, we eat animal life, we eat botany life. But the animals eat the botany life, the plants. The plants get their strength and they grow because of the light. And so if there was no light, there'd be no plants. If there was no plants, there'd be no animals. If there was no plants or animals, there'd be no human bodies. And so all life that exists, exists because of light. And I think that the forest fires that we've had lately and the smoke uh, that has covered the lower mainland from time to time has, has caused us to realize that if the light of the sun is blocked out, that changes the environment. The temperature begins to drop and, and different things begin to happen. And so we realize that that light of that sun is very, very important to life on the earth. But now I could also say that without light spiritually, there is no spiritual life. In John chapter 1, it describes the beginning this way. It goes back before Genesis 1 and says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All right? So the light comes from the life that is in him, and it lightens us and gives us life. And it says further, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. And so there's a difference between light and darkness spiritually. God is light, the scripture says. In him is no shadow at all. Now, I, I guess I should, if you don't know my title, my title is Born of Light. Born of Light. Now, Jesus said, you must be born again. You have no choice. It's not something that you can go through life and say, well, I hope I get to heaven. No, you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot even understand the kingdom of God. I, I was telling some, uh, some people the other day, I said, we were talking about witnessing. I says, you know, I was up north and, and uh, uh, when I was pastoring up north, I, they uh, the, the people that like to send people to the door of the Jehovah Witnesses, you know, they would come two by two. And the first couple people came and they weren't happy with the results. And so they sent another couple people and they weren't happy with the results. And they sent another couple people and they weren't happy with the results. And finally, a man came by himself. I thought, ah, now here's somebody senior. Because when they come by themselves, you know, they're fairly high up in the organization. And so I, I invited him in and sat down and we begin to talk. And I said to him, I said, let's start in one place. I says, Jesus said, you must be born again. I want to ask you a question. I says, are you born again? 
He says, no, I'm not. He says, that's only for the 144,000. I says, oh, okay. I says, I believe it's for whosoever will. I says, but you understand the scripture says that unless you're born again, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. And so as we sat there and discussed the subjects that he wanted to discuss, whenever there was a disagreement, then I just went back to that. I said, I know why you disagree with me, because you're not born again. (laughs) You can't understand that because you're not born again. And every time I just took him back there time after time till he finally got frustrated. He said, well, I guess we don't really have anything to talk about. And I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, but I was trying to take him back there. Uh, You're not really in your right mind. You cannot really comprehend the kingdom of God until you're born again. And, And we are born in the natural of natural light, but we must be born in the spiritual of a greater light. We must be born of a, Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so we must be born of a different birth than a natural birth. Amen. Amen. Praise God for the new birth. I've been studying on the new birth, and, and uh, I thought maybe I'd, I'd speak on that tonight, but it just didn't seem like the Lord was quickening it, and, and the Lord led me a different direction today. But uh, I, I just want to say the new birth is not an option. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, which gives you the new birth, is not an option. And I'll maybe just lay this out there. Jesus did not say, you must be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said, you must be born again. In other words, there must be a birth besides your natural birth. And it's going to take the Holy Ghost to do that. As they said in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that changes your nature, and that gives you a new birth, that gives you a second birth, you are then born of light. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. So now... If light is the word manifested, we know that a word is a thought when it is spoken. So then light has to come from a thought originally. Word, thought, then word, word manifested is light. So then this light that quickens the sons of God as God sends it into every age, it has to come from a thought that was in his mind. Is that right? And the thought of God, and I just want to just zero this in for you here so we, we can gather our thoughts together and be of one mind. The thought of God is to have a family. The thought of God is to redeem his attributes. It's to have children. God deals with you as with sons, the scripture says. He desires a family. He desires an expression of that which is in him. And so to have the word of God spoken to every age, which is light to the age, then is the thought of God to the elect attributes to the age. 
All right? That's why when, when the light comes, the light shines in darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. But there are seed that are in darkness, and when the light strikes that seed, it quickens them that they are not of darkness, but they are of the light. So the light comes to show us who we are. It comes to quicken the sons of God. It comes to bring revelation that we weren't meant to walk in darkness all of our lives. That we were made to walk in light. Not just as it is in the natural as human beings. We're made to walk in natural light. But so also in the spiritual as the predestinated elected of God. In the thoughts of God before the foundation of the world. The reason he wrote your name on the land's book of life is because you were predestinated to walk in light. The Lamb's book of life, in him was life, and the life was the light. And you were meant to walk in that light. You're not meant to walk in darkness. Are you with me so far? So Jesus says in John chapter 8, and I'll go through a few scriptures, some of them I'll have you turn to, but this one I won't because some of them will be quite familiar. And because we are children of light, I'll say before I read this, darkness cannot prevail against you. What's more powerful, light or darkness? You know, when they turned the lights on in this place, it, it wasn't struggling to push back the darkness. No, when they turn the lights on, the darkness disappears. Darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. And so, so it is with the believer, because you're of light, darkness cannot prevail against you, not because of what you know, but because you, what you are born of, all right? So Jesus said in John 8, as he spoke to them, he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Hallelujah. Not natural life, not natural life, rather, eternal life. In John chapter 12, he said to the people, he says, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goes. In other words, he doesn't know what the future holds. He doesn't know what's happening around him. He doesn't know what the circumstances mean. He doesn't know what age. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he says, but you are children of light. I don't need to tell you how these things are going to happen because you're children of light. You understand these things. He says, so Jesus says, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and hid himself from them. So he's, he's expressing something to them now. And, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Jesus is walking in their midst and he's, and he's telling them, I'm the light of the world. So what he's saying is you won't find light anywhere else. If you're awake, you better find out where light is. And I'm telling you where it is. I'm it. And if you follow me, you'll have light. And you'll become children of light. 
but if you don't follow me, you'll walk in darkness. Now, there were many that said, oh, you know what? He's just, he's got a devil or he's this or he's that and we don't have to believe him. We got Moses and we got the law and we got this and we got that. They believed they had light, but when Jesus left the scene, they didn't know that Rome was about to fall on them. And that they were about to be destroyed and the temple was about to be torn down and everything that they believed they understood would fall to pieces. Listen, we're at that time again in the world where the tribulation is just around the corner and people say, oh, I don't have to listen to that message. I don't have to listen to what you people say. I don't have to listen. Listen, we're not trying to tell people you have to do anything. We're just telling you this is light. And while the light is with you, walk in the light. Because when the light is taken away, you'll be in darkness. And the tribulation will be upon the earth as a woman in travail with a child, and you won't be able to get away from it. Listen, if I could say, I, I was watching a clip not too long ago of a street preacher. And, and a, uh, it was a... Was, I don't think it was anybody that believed this message. I don't know. It was just a clip that was on the, on the news items that I was looking at. And this guy was preaching and, and uh, you know, warning people of the wrath that was to come. And he's out there on the street. And some woman, he had an open microphone. And some woman stepped up and said, well, I believe that you should just love everybody. And I believe you should just, just you know, be kind to everybody. You don't have to tell them that they're wrong. But, you know, just kind of just kind of be good to everybody. And he, w- he was trying to explain to her, you know, but how will they know? How will they know they're wrong? If, they, if you don't tell them what the Bible says. She says, well, I believe the Bible and I believe in Jesus and I believe in love. And, and there she was dressed very much below the standard of what a woman should dress. But nevertheless, I, want, I said all that, say I wanted to just somehow jump into that scene and say, if you saw somebody going into a cataract and that was going to go over a falls, you wouldn't just stand there on the, on the side of the river and just wave at them and say, I love you. No, you'd yell at them and say, hey, you're going to wreck just over the falls there. Just around the bend, there's a falls and you're going to go over it. Get out of the canoe. Get out of the boat. You do whatever you could to convince them it's over. You need to think about what you're doing. Say, oh, you're being too hard on them. I know the cataracts, the falls are going to be more hard on them than I'm going to be. Paul, in Acts chapter 26, he's recounting what was told him. You can read these when you go home just to save time from turning to it. But he recounts to, I think it's Agrippa, the, uh, um, what's, what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And says, he says, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things that thou hast seen and of things in the which I will appear unto you, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. 
And listen now what he says. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So Jesus commissioning Paul there on the road to Damascus, he says, look, I'm sending you to the Gentiles, not just to tell them that I'm alive, but to turn them from darkness to light, to turn them from the power of the devil to the power of God, that they might be saved. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, again, a scripture that's familiar, it says, this is the message that we have heard of him. John now declaring, he says, and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So what's the requirement to be cleansed from sin is to walk in the light. If you walk in the light, you become children of light. And so we see the scripture admonishes us there. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2. says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Are you the called out? Amen. God has called you out. He called you out. No man called you. Paul again in in Colossians rather says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. So there are children of light and there are children of darkness. And the children of darkness or the sons of spiritual darkness are not born again. They are wandering souls subject only to the natural light that they can see, which is by the flesh. Turn with me to Ephesians. Are you with me tonight? Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 1 it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So that's where we were. 
Now I want you to go over to Ephesians 5 with me. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now, Paul's speaking to people that are saved. And these are statements that we would say, I trust in this hour is a given. You know, there are things that we say, well, you know, we, we wouldn't even go near those things. But Paul's spelling it out here. We don't walk in these things. He says, for this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be, ye, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Here we are now. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So it's not just that we have been quickened by the light, but now there is a walk that we walk as children of light. He says, you don't walk as children of darkness walk. Somebody say amen to that. We, don't, we realize there is darkness. We realize there are children of darkness. There are people that feed on that darkness. And if you read in different places in, in Ephesians, you'll find Paul specifies actions and different things that this is the works of darkness. These are the works of the flesh. These are the works of the children of disobedience. These are the things that the world is partaking of, but you're not of the world. If you have been born into the kingdom of God, you are no longer in those things. You are now children of light. Are you with me? All right, so now we are walking in children of light, and because of that now, and I, and I probably, yeah, I think I'll just save time by not going directly to it. But you can read it when you go home in Luke chapter 16. Jesus speaks a parable and he says there was a certain rich man that had a steward that was accused and, and the steward was going to be taken out of his stewardship. And so the steward goes to other people and, and other people that owed money and said, here, you owe my master 100, mark it down to 80. And you owe my master 50 and you mark it down to 40 and all of these kind of things and I'll reduce your debt to my master because I'm going to lose my job. And, 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 you know, and it's kind of hard to understand that parable if you don't understand the difference between children of darkness and children of light. Because in the end of it all, Jesus says that the Lord commendeth the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Listen now. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, he's not talking about spiritual wisdom here. He's saying they know how to operate in the world. They know how to operate in darkness. They know how to make deals. They know how to be dishonest. They know how to, how, how to work shady deals. They know how to operate in the flesh. He says, but you're not made that way. You've been born again of a different nature. 
that you might walk in a different realm. And there's another set of laws that work for you. I was talking to a young man not long ago that, that wasn't where he ought to be with God. And I said to him, I says, you have to understand something. If you're a son of God, and I believe that you're a son of God, if you walk away from the ways of God, God is not going to hurt you. You are opening yourself up to the devil. You're just saying, devil, have at me. And I'll tell you what, things will happen to you. There will be sickness that you don't know why it hits you. There will be accidents, and there was accidents, and there was different things that took place that he already knew that I was referring to. Why? Because he had walked away from the children of light. He had walked away from the way of light. If you are a child of light, you can only walk by light. I thank God for everything that the tree of knowledge has, has made life a little bit easier. I thank God for medical science, all right? I thank God that uh, I can live a little bit easier life here than they have to live some places in the world. You know, where we have a nice homes and vehicles and we have a nice economy and all those kind of things. But it's a double-edged sword. There's good to it and there's bad to it. And, and you know what the bad is if you have to operate in this realm. But nevertheless... When I have need of a, of a job, when I have need of money, I don't go to the, to the people that are intelligent in those things. I go to the father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I said, Lord, you said you'd provide my needs. When I get sick, I thank God for medical science and the doctor can do what he can, but I go to the one and only healer. Lord, you said you're the God that heals all my sicknesses and diseases. You're the one. It doesn't matter how the doctor can give me some medicine. I can take an aspirin, whatever more, make myself feel better. If that, whatever you feel led to do, whatever you feel is right for you, that's perfectly all right. But I'll tell you one thing. There's only one person that's going to heal you. And he's already healed you 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Hallelujah. Because you're a child of light. There are realms that are open to you that aren't open to the children of darkness. And Jesus goes even further in Matthew 5 and says, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Don't be ashamed of the way of the children of light. I'm not ashamed that God's my healer. I'm not ashamed that he's my provider. My brother came to me one time, my natural brother, and said to me, he says, Tim, I notice you're always, you're never really in trouble financially. He didn't know how poor I really was. But he says, you always seem to have what you have need of. He says, I want you to give me some advice financially. I says, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I says, I'm not a financial advisor of this world. I don't operate the way the world operates financially. I trust God completely. And he has never failed me. He has never let me down. He promised. There's a way to operate. I'm here now. I might as well say, he says, pay your tithes. It's not your money. It's his money. He provides, and all he requires is that we recognize that a tenth is his. That's all. 
And then whatever else you feel to give as a free will offering, that's between you and God, and that's worship. But tithes is not worship. Tithes is obligation. I'll, I'll leave that now. Anytime you start talking about money and Laodicea, people get always concerned. You're about to take up an offering or something. Praise the Lord. It'll be wonderful when we operate by the spoken word, not by the balance in the bank account. What little there might be, and if it even be negative. But let's go back in our thoughts to the Garden of Eden for a moment. What took place in the Garden of Eden? Here's Lucifer, who had been cast out of heaven, which I could say had been cast out of light into darkness. Now come down into the serpent, and his object was to convince Eve, who was walking in the light, that darkness would be better than light. Now, if you're a salesman, that's quite a task. You've got to convince someone walking in light that darkness is better. And so he began to subtly beguile her by questioning what God said. Has God said, you'll not eat of all? Oh, no, we can eat of all the trees, but there's one tree. That's the tree of knowledge. Oh, well, if you can't eat of that tree, uh, what happens if, if you eat it? Well, God said we'll die. And, and well, uh, I don't think you quite understand it right. Because after all, Eve wasn't there when it was said. Adam was there when it was said. And so Adam related to Eve. And so, so what Adam, her husband, you could even say her pastor, now Satan's coming around to get her to question what her pastor is saying. And saying, okay, listen, I don't think your pastor really understands it. Let me explain it to you in a better way. That really you'll be like God. You'll understand, or let me say it this way, you'll see things that you've never seen before. He's trying to convince her actually that darkness is light. Now that's quite a sales job, isn't it? As he's trying to, to tell her, he says, listen, what you really need is a Facebook account. I mean, what you really need is to look into something else. What you really need is to move your mind into a realm it's never been in. You need to get on Instagram. Now, if you didn't want to hear about social media tonight, you come to the wrong service. You need to get on, I don't even know what some of these things are. You need to get on Tinder. These are just names that I hear. You need to get on Reddit or Snapchat. And just because I didn't name the one you're on doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> and there's others. I know there's lots of them out there. And, and I, I'm always amazed when I talk to people and they, they say, well, the young people are on this now. And I'm like, what is that? And it's out there. And but what is the object of Satan in connecting people in social media? It's not so that you connect, can be connected to the person next to you sitting in the pew. Hello? You can say amen or ouch, whatever you prefer. But it's to connect you into realms that he's trying to convince you is light. He's trying to convince you is going to help you. But what he's really trying to do is ensnare you into darkness. When you are a child of light. 
All right, you could, and I'm not, there are many ways for the devil to do it. I just felt led to touch on this tonight. Is that all right? And I I realize it affects young people more than it affects old people. Uh, These things don't tempt me at all, but I have children and I have grandchildren. And, and I recognize that they don't, they don't go into these things to be bad people. Come on. Nobody has a Facebook account to be a bad person. But the devil wants to use it to take you places that he knows if he can get you there, he can try and get you away from light and into darkness. Let's expose the devil tonight. And ask yourself a question. Now, it isn't just darkness of places on the Internet and different things like that. But I'll go other places of darkness, darkness in your mind and take you into emotions as you look at different things and your mind becomes clouded like Eve's mind was clouded. And, he, and, and you begin to think, oh, my life isn't as good as so-and-so's or somebody else seems to have such a nice life or they live this way, but my parents won't let me live that way. And this, they, they have this in their home, but we don't have it in our home. And pretty soon it begins to work in an emotional realm on young, unstable minds and causes them to be depressed. Depression is of the devil. Because he takes you places to get you depressed. There's no depression in the word of God. Hallelujah. That's light. You know, they've even proven that you need vitamin D naturally to not get depressed. And vitamin D comes from light. Well, you need the vitamin D of the word. Amen. To feed your soul so you'll not be depressed. Don't get into those dark places or you'll get people into places where, you know, life isn't, isn't. I was doing some reading this week on, on what gets into the mind of people that kill. You might think, why are you going there, Brother Tim? I, I had a reason for going there. Because there, there, was, there are certain things that they get in their mind because, now let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Because it's a truism or it's a truth that when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he said to the woman, you'll conceive in sorrow. In other words, your life will be hard. He said to man, your life will be hard. You know, you'll, out of the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. You'll labor. You'll have to do things. In other words, when you come into this world, life is going to be hard and there will be suffering. All right. So, so these, these people that get off on things because of things that happen in their life and the devil takes them to dark places because they, and they become embittered and they become unforgiving until finally the only thing is left is what does it matter anyway? I'm just going to go out and kill some people. But it comes back from the beginning. Life is suffering. Life is hard. There is bitterness. So you need to know how to get rid of the bitterness. You need to know. And God has blessed you because you're children of light. And he's saying, walk in the light that you might be the children of light. Don't go to the places. And I just feel enjoying or I just feel inspired to say tonight to somebody here, don't go to the places that take you to those dark experiences. Shut them down. 
If it's, if it's some kind of an app or a, a site, take, your, take it off your phone. Delete your account. Because you're not a child of darkness, you're a child of light. Those things were made for children of darkness. Are you getting what I'm meaning? They were not made for you. You won't be able to operate them like the world operates them. You won't be able to, to be in them like the world's in them. God raises you above those things. Hallelujah. Wonderful words of life. Are you with me? Romans 13 says, verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. What's the armor of light? It's right here. Don't just say you believe it. Put it on. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. Oh, in this reading that I was doing, they said, you know, they said one of the things, there's choices in life. What are you going to do about your suffering? You, and, and the choices are basically, you can become embittered and do something awful. You can live in pleasure and just try and, and drown out the sorrow with drugs and alcohol and all those kind of things. And of course, the, the other one was, you can overcome it. And that's what I'm saying to sons of light tonight, daughters of light. You've been equipped to overcome it. You'll still have suffering. You'll, in this world, we'll have sorrow. In this world, you'll go through things. But you've got something the world doesn't have. You've got light. Not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Amen. All right. So Paul, as we already read in Ephesians 5, he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Unfruitful means not bringing forth anything that is of any lasting good. Unfruitful. You can have a tree, but if it's unfruitful, the Bible says it just cumbers the ground. It's just there. If there's no fruit, the object of a tree is to have fruit. And, and, and so darkness is unfruitful, and the works of darkness is unfruitful. And the devil's destructive purpose is to share that darkness with you and have you choose darkness rather than light. But, only, but he can only get people to choose darkness by partaking of the works of darkness as though it is works of light. And by that he gets people to willfully walk away from light and take on the works of darkness. That's why you see people walk away from the word. They think, oh, this is light. Just wait till the fruit of it. When you see the fruit of it. That's why, you know, people that have such a struggle with the message of the hour, people that are relatives, people that are, are um, 
unable to see the revelation of it. Many people in my family that I've witnessed to, that's, that's always the same statement. You know, we, we can't see what you see. We can't believe what you believe, but we like the fruit of it. We don't like what you're trying to tell us, but we like the fruit. We see it in your family. We see it in your home. We see the atmosphere. We see the love. We see the people. People come into the church. They see the people and all of that. Oh, but the doctrine is hard. You know, what do you mean I can only be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, that's why they're all baptized in the Bible. Well, what do you mean this? What do you mean that? And there's only one way, and that's the way of the word. That's for the children of light. The other ways is for the children of darkness. There's many, there's a thousand ways of religion, but there's one way of light. Let me read you a little bit out of the message, if, seeing as we're just, we'll just spend another brief moment on, on darkness or shadiness. And, but Jesus said it this way before I read that. He said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that's evil hates the light, doesn't come to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. Amen. Or I can even say he that wants truth comes to the light. It's not a matter of your idea, my idea, somebody else's idea. What's the truth? That's what we want. What is the truth? We must have the truth. If anybody is desiring truth, God will give you truth. You know, I, I had a, I've mentioned it before, but I had that young boy in India come to me when he was about 12 years old and, and say to me, I was sharing it with Brother Ernie, who's not here tonight, but I, I said, you know, this boy, he's, he had been to the Sikhs, he's been to the Hindus, he's been to the Catholic Church, he's sitting in my service in the Punjab at 12 years old, and he's, he, he looks kind of strange because he's kind of dressed like a North American, he's got a, a Sikh turban on, but he doesn't really look like a Sikh. And so he comes up to me after the service and he says, he says, sir, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. He says, I want you to prove to me that what you're saying is the truth. And I says, I can't. He says, oh, you can't. I says, no. I says, only God can prove it to you. I says, what you need to do is take a couple of these messages. Here's the pastor. Ask the pastor to give you a couple message books. You go and read those message books, and you ask God, is this the truth? I said, that's what I did when I was 20 years old. I just began to listen to the message of the hour and say, God, if this is the truth, open my eyes to it. If it's not the truth, close the door. And God just opened the door and allowed me to walk in the light because there was a deep calling and the deep was responding. And that young Indian boy went from there and I didn't see him again until he was, as you know, about 21, 22 years old. He walks into the room and, and, and the, the pastor, same church, same pastor, says, you know, do you, do you know this young man? I'm looking at him. And then it comes to my mind, that circumstance about eight or nine years earlier. And I said, I met you when you were about 12 years old and you had some questions. He said, that was me. He says, I'm a preacher of this message now. Hallelujah. Not because I proved it to him, because God proved it to him. And if you have questions tonight, don't ask me. Go to God. Say, God, show me the truth and he will show you the truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He never said, no offense, but he never said an altar call will make you free. 
I was just reading today where Brother Bradham says you can pray at an altar all night long. He says it won't do nothing for you until you have faith to believe he's your Savior. He didn't say you'll have a prayer line and a prayer line will make you free. He said you'll know the truth. And it's the truth that'll make you free. Amen. Sorry to get excited, but it's excitable word. So Brother Branham in the message, Shalom. It's an interesting, he takes it from Isaiah, where it says, rise and shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, but gross darkness is upon the world. All right? So speaking about that, Brother Branham says, the hour is upon us, darkness, gross darkness, gross darkness on the people now. That's what it is. What does it all mean? Where are we standing? What hour are we in? This is 1964. How close are we to the coming? He says, what does it mean? And then he begins. God has begun to separate the light from the darkness. Pressing it behind like he did at the beginning to show the dawn of a new day. He says the church ages are fading out. God is pressing the darkness into a place. It has to do it to fade out the church organizations, to fade out the world. The world is covering the thing over, and worldlyism has took the whole thing. Listen, if you haven't seen that worldlyism has taken over the denominational world, you're blind. Worldlyism has taken it over. He says, then isn't God right by worldly things and worldly dressing and worldly acting and worldly living? It's the world. And then he says, you are not of the world, little children. Hallelujah. You are of heaven. This is not your home. Amen. You are born of the light, not of the darkness. The darkness has crept into the world, world the, the church realm. It has kept crept into the denominational realm. It has seeped into those ranks, and worldlyism has crept in. And that's why when the word comes across this pulpit, it hits at that. The light will drive the darkness out of the church. Now, Brother Brown preached Salome in two places. One week after the other. The next week he preached it in Phoenix. And then he says, he's talking about people and the darkness upon the people. He says, them people want to do right, but there's something about it that won't let them do right. It just presses down on them, forces them. It's a heavy, dark fog over the whole earth. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like the time we're living in? Not only in Phoenix, but all over the world, there just seems to be a grouping darkness that's gathering, getting more dense and dense all the time, just smothering out real manhood and real womanhood. So if that was darkness grouping then, no wonder today where it's got even darker that people don't know whether they're a man or a woman. Or something in between. They don't understand what it's about. They don't understand why they don't feel the right roles in life. It's this gross darkness that's upon the earth. It isn't that they want to be bad people. Something won't let them see it. 
It's been this darkness that since the time of the opening of the word that the darkness has been pushing and that darkness has been pushed back by the light and it has been gathered together until it get why because there's no light in that darkness. The light has been called out. The sons of light has been called out. And when the last son of light is called out from among the darkness, that's when we'll be going home. And then it'll be total darkness on the earth. Brother Branham could see into realms, because he was a prophet, could see into realms that you and I can't see into. Anybody that's a prophet can see that. There's different prophets. There's major prophets, minor prophets. There's, there's prophetic gifts. We could, we're not here to go into that. But Brother Branham didn't just see the pillar of fire. Listen, I, I, I met people that saw the pillar of fire that don't believe this message. All right, so it, it wasn't people in the message trying to convince me about a pillar of fire. I met a man early in the years in Grand Prairie that was in Brother Brown's meetings in Grand Prairie in 1953, had a heart condition back then, 1953. And Brother Brown called him out in the meeting, and when he looked up, it was in the armory in Grand Prairie, says, when I, and he told me, when I looked up, he says, I saw that light, or I saw that pillar of fire, I can't remember the words he used, hanging over him. God just did that for me. God has had a way of bringing people by my way to tell me about these supernatural things that I wasn't here to experience, but others were still alive that had experienced them. And the man wasn't a believer of this message, never became a believer of this message, but he was still alive in the day that he was telling me in the 2000s. I think it was about the late 90s maybe. So he lived another 40 years after that heart condition was healed. Praise the Lord. But Brother Branham would, would single out people. And I, I want to just say a few things and then I'll close. I don't want to keep you long on a Wednesday night. But like one place, 1964, he says, there's a man sitting here. I want you to turn your eyes. So he's telling the congregation, I want you to turn your eyes. Can't you see that light hanging there? Not everybody could see it. See, in the Bible, there was no record that anybody but John saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. But John saw it because he was commissioned to see it. He was a prophet. But John bore witness of it. And so there in, in, in and Brother Bram saying, doesn't anybody see it? He says, there's a man sitting there looking at me, praying. He's suffering with lung trouble and weakness. He says, don't miss it, sir. Mr. Carr. Raise up and accept your healing. Jesus Christ makes you well. I've never seen the man in my life. He goes on into different places, and I could... Let me just, just read you a few. He tells, he tells one person, he says, your eyes are not very good sight. He says, that's one thing that is wrong with you. That's not all. He says, you're never satisfied yourself in the way that you've tried to serve God. You always wanted a deeper walk with God because I see a shadow following your path. Okay. Another place he says around you, another man, he says around you is a real dark shadow moving. It's coming to your spirit. You're dying. It's cancer. Another place he says, I see a dark shadow right now moving around. It's demon power. It's setting between me and out in here. It's coming in. 
It's a little lady sitting. She's been praying. She's got her finger up to her mouth. The woman has got cancer. She's wearing glasses. That's right, isn't it, lady, sitting there with the white dress on? Will you stand on your feet? Then, just a moment, that's right. All right, you believe God could heal you? It says in another place, there's a shadow around a woman. She's very sick. She's got trouble in her kidney. That's right. There's a cancer in her kidney. She has arthritis. I could see she's hardly moving, hardly able to move at times. Another place he says, sister, you're trying hard. You've got epilepsy sitting there at the end of the seat, a black, that black demon shadow around you. He's a devil. But you're praying that God will remove it, aren't you? See, it's not just natural realm. It's spiritual realm. It's not just natural troubles. It's spiritual troubles. He says, he was, you was praying to God, let him turn to me and talk to me. Is that right? Believe him and may it leave you and never come back in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he prays for the woman. Another person, he says, you're shadowed for death because darkness is around you. It's cancer. Another place, he says, one thing, it's shadowy around you shows that you're suffering with a nervous condition, mental upset, nervous condition. So now he's, he's even nailing nervous and mental conditions to a dark shadow. There's something shadowing the person. So there's spiritual things going on. There's something around the person that is trying to cut them off from the light. Because light will set them free. Are you with me now? He says, he says in now in 1952, he says, we've got to stand before God someday. We've got to give an account for our lives. Now you have a human spirit, I have a human spirit, because God ordained it to be that way. Now, but if there's any sickness, maybe you got something I don't know. Maybe you got cancer. Maybe you got some kind of female trouble. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, that's a disease, which is the devil of the darkness. That's right. It's of darkness. It's not of light. Sickness is of darkness to kill you, but God is light who brings life. Hallelujah. We're confronting the issue now. You got troubles tonight. Identify where that trouble comes from and identify who you are. It's the simplicity of being healed is simply accepting the light. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. Amen. You need deliverance tonight. Then there's deliverance in the light that's in this room. Amen. Not a natural light, but if you've got something that's troubling you, you need to cry out for light. You say, oh God, bring light on my situation. Lord, bring light into this, this cry out for the manifestation of the word. Because the promise of the word, when it is manifested, is light. And let the light of God come into your individual situation. Cry out for the antidote to the darkness of the age. The antidote to darkness is the light. Not a learning of a message, not a learning of quotes, but get the word of God into your soul until your whole being is illuminated with the light of God. Amen. Sons and daughters of God, sometimes we need to just cry out and recognize, Lord, there's some darkness around me. 
I don't see it, but there's some doubt that's trying to creep into my mind. There's some sickness that's trying to afflict me. There's something that I'm battling here, but Lord, I'm here in your light tonight. Let your light illuminate me tonight. Let your word be illuminated to me. Brother Branham says in the Smurian age, as the musicians come, he says, in every age, we have the same exact pattern. I didn't have time to go into this, but I'll read the quote. He said, that's why the light comes through some God-given messenger in a certain area. Then from that messenger, there spreads the light through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. But of course, all those who go out don't always learn how it is necessary to speak only what the messenger has spoken. He says, remember, Paul warned the people to say what he said. He said, if any man think himself to be prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Then he says, what came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? See, they add here, they take away there. Why does that happen? Because the devil wants somebody to cut a corner. The devil wants somebody to take a shortcut. There's no shortcuts to light. Amen. Walk in the light. He says, they add here, they take away there. Soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice. For the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. And Paul warned them to say what he said, even as Peter did likewise. He warned them that even he, Paul, could not change one word at what he had already given by revelation. Why? Because it was the light of God to the age. In Irenaeus' age, it was the light of God to that age. God anoints a messenger to every church age to take the part of the Bible that's for the age and send it out into the age, but is it because it'll combat the darkness? And those that walk in that light because the Word is Christ. Those that walk in the light, as he said, I'm the light of the world. Those that walk in that light as children of light, they overcome the darkness of their age. When the message went out that they were under an ox ox anointing, they overcame the fact that they had to give their lives and the suffering that they had to go to, dying at the stake and being burned alive and all those kind of things. How did they overcome? By giving themselves. They were anointed to receive that, that message in that hour. In Luther's age, it was light that told the people that just shall live by faith. You're free from organization. You're free from Catholic dogma. When Wesley came along, he said, you're free from the flesh. The blood will sanctify you. When Pentecost came along, he said, you're free in the spirit until the last days that the full word of God comes into effect. The full light is on the scene. Everything is here waiting for sons of God to take the word and say, Lord, illuminate me. Illuminate me, Lord. Whatever you have need of tonight, you just need to go to God and say, Illuminate me, Lord. Illuminate me, Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Can we sing that song, Light of the World? Um, 973. He's He's the light. Light of the world. 
God tonight? Is he your light tonight? Maybe there's somebody here. I wish I was a prophet that could look into spiritual realms and say there's darkness there or there's darkness there or there's darkness there. That's not my gift. But I've spoke the word and faith in faith, if faith in the word has struck your heart and you know that the devil has been trying to take you to places of darkness. And you just want to say, oh, God, take me to the light tonight. Take me into the light. Illuminate me, oh, God. Why don't you just raise your hand? Why don't you just lift your heart to God and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm a child of light. I'm not a child of darkness. I will not feed on darkness. I will not listen to the devil's deception. I will not allow him to take me places I know I shouldn't be in. I'm calling out to the author of light. I'm calling out to light himself tonight. Come down and illuminate us, O oh God. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every hand that's raised. You see every heart that's lifted up before you. Lord, we're counting on not just a natural word that's going out tonight, but this is a supernatural word in the name of Jesus Christ. May the powers of darkness be broken. Maybe it's a young person tonight, oh God, that the devil's trying to convince them of things. We rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus Christ. We claim the light of the word. We claim the light of the hour. We claim the illumination of God that will set the children of God free. Lord, we're here tonight to proclaim we are children of light. We are not of the darkness. We are of the light. We pray for our brothers and sisters. There's somebody, Lord, that's been struggling. We pray for them. Give them that light. If there's a sick person, Lord, may light just pour into their soul and drive every darkness of sickness away from their body, Lord. Oh, let the illumination of God just come upon our lives and in a greater way than ever before. Oh, Lord, we love your word. Your word is light. Your word is illumination. Maybe there'll be somebody here, Lord, tonight that the devil's been trying to rob them of just getting into the word. May that person receive an unction tonight. And they go from this place and they'll be in the word tomorrow. And they'll be in the word the next day. And they'll be in the word the day after. Let their thoughts be filled with the word until their whole being is illuminated with the light of God. Till they're walking in such a bright light that the devil sees them coming and runs the other way, Lord. Granted, Father, claiming your goodness and your mercies, we're claiming your blessings tonight. We're claiming the light of all men, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let's sing that E-flat, I think it is, We'll Walk in the Light. Let's sing it as a proclamation tonight before we go. We'll walk in the light, the beautiful light. Just the chorus, please. We'll walk in.
Amen. I almost want to say those of you that need to go home, go home. The rest of us will stay till midnight and hear some more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But God bless you. Shake one another's hands as you go. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. <laughs>